The Captain of the Thames, Part Three. The river rolled in a gentle gulping flow past us, as we stood on the small old wooden jetty that sat firm and permanent in the silty mud of the Thames, below Crabtree's secluded Chiswick home. Crabtree had signalled in a brief Morse code flash from his hand torch, dash dot dash dot, to the southern bank, and in reply. A boat that sat secreted beneath low willow branches that bowed onto the river's ever-sweeping surface, crept as if a predatory prehistoric creature out from its hidey hole and made its swift trip across to us. The battle-hard wooden bow and brass-trimmed gunwale edged near. Then, with a precise and well-timed change in direction, the port side of the Falco Columbarius turned towards us and a heavy coarse rope snaked from the lone figure on the deck, and a curling whip-like throw, and landed with a slap right next to the mooring post of the jetty. The lone figure, part silhouetted, part lit with the yellow electric light from the small bridge, stood in stock-still chiaroscuro effect, as the boat came to a gentle bobbing rest. Good to see you, Master Crabtree. Lash that rope tight, and come topside, sir. This firm order and generous warm welcome came from our captain, and for the next few hours of dreadful urgent mania and almost unplumbable mystery our commander in the field. Captain Kinross, very good to have you at our side, Crabtree smoothly replied. Kinross beamed down from his scoured and spotless timbered realm in a closely kept reserve of delight at myself and the professor. His sharp, pointed and hard-filed teeth sparkled in a wild sabre-toothed grin brightly in the undimmed glowing light of the evening sky. His face, sea and wind-reddened, was framed by a greying short stubble beard, through which a long deep scar ran like a gorge. Toughly decked out in a leather jerkin with a dark woolen cap comforter at a rakish angle on his head, our newest addition to Crabtree's small band of adventurers instantly made it crystal clear who was now in command. I see you plumped in, you fat English dud. You look like a bag of shite that's been shot on. This hearty welcome from our new comrade was not a shock to me. Captain Kinross was an old friend of Crabtree's and mine, and although not a regular attendee at Crabtree's exclusive Christmas Eve dinner party, due to mercenary and humanitarian work, he always sent a bottle of rare Highland malt whisky and a box of marmalade to stand in for him. He now took in the view on the jetty, and assessed with a quick military eye the new additions to his crew. "'And he's your new recruit to your plans, Crabtree. He looks like a fine specimen, or worth rat. The seemingly uncalled-for coarse remark sent our French professor into a rapid set of fits and foot-stamping anger. "'Monsieur, I am a professor of complex mathematics and I science.' Not a vulgar rodent. I would challenge you to say this insult to my face. Our French chum replied, standing fast with decorum and pride. Kinross now approached our professor, and with a genial nod of his head, proffered a hand by way of greeting. Professor, so you're the volunteer and neighbor Preskang didn't want a Crabtree's mad schemes one? Kinross inquired as the two shook hands and Charlie scrutinised each other in the now-low evening light 
that played yellow and orange across the Jatian River. I am here as an expert witness, monsieur. As a special advisor to an extraordinary scandal that will send a tidal wave of shock around Le Monde. Hey, prof, and that tattoo with a grenade with a flame on your wrist tells me you're foreign legion, pal. Me, forty commando. This acknowledgement brought about a lively new bearing to the professor, and rummaging deep in his coat, he produced a silver hip flask. It is true. Oui, mon frère. I was le para, mon capitaine. We will have a drink from my own canteen. This new revelation about our French friend was a surprise to me. This short-spinning-eyed, jabbering, quarter-witted chatterbox had now turned out had done time in some pretty ungodly theatres of war. Kinross carefully removed the screw-top lid to the flask and took a large swig. As our now jovial French ally awaited the captain's favourable review of his special blend of rough apple liquor and field-fresh psilocybin. <laughs> Mother of God, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, what in God's name is this? Kinross's spluttering, gasping seizure levels of astonishment at the French brew caused a tickle of mirth in the professor. Poire Williams from my own farm in Normandy, Capitaine and a puree of little carpet champignons, as you say, for the mind. God almighty, mon, no wonder you lot suddenly you've been kicked in the gillies. This bonding moment now concluded, we stepped aboard the Falco Columbarius and cast off. The professor, now refilled with a fresh tot from Kinross's own Plymouth rum, an enhanced Arctic exploration blend, Munificently enriched with essential spices and herbs from Kinross's travels into South America, and his collection of ancient Aztec ceremonial powders was in great form and full of zeal for the adventure ahead. Mon Capitan, this commission we are enjoined on. We will carry out with bravery, gusto, and aplomb. Kinross was momentarily taken aback at this. A bomb. My go Crabtree, you're madder than I thought, and the sea ain't crazy. The rock-steady hand of Captain Kinross smoothly adjusted the wheel as he squinted ahead into the now misting and ever-darkening gloom that began to draw in around us, and we slowly chugged away from Chiswick. And as the red ensign proudly waved from its small mast as our boat made a steady breeze in her passage on downstream to our destination— with what can only be described as an infernal madhouse of lunacy and horrors beyond reason seldom seen, our captain declared in rousing encouragement, Gentlemen, ye'll be singing for your supper tonight, so join in with me for your rations. And with great vim and a somewhat cracked baritone, Kinross broke into song. Eternal Father, strong to save whose arm hath bound the restless wave, who bids the mighty ocean deep its own appointed limits keep. O hear us when we cry to thee for those in peril on the sea.